Finance and Leadership, FTI's Financial Services Podcast. FTI is a global advisory firm. We help organizations manage change, mitigate risk, and resolve disputes. I'm your host, Tilsia Toledo. I have over 25 years of experience in the financial services industry. This show is about the people I've met along the way and leading during uncertain times. You will hear from finance executives, law firm partners, dedicated government professionals, and many others. Today's episode is part of a series focused on the Russian sanctions due to the developments in the Ukraine. Our guest is Jordan Ray Kelly, Senior Managing Director and the Head of Cybersecurity for the Americas Region at FTI Consulting. Jordan has more than 15 years of experience coordinating incident response and managing cyber policy planning. Jordan, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me. So at the end of the last episode, Matt Bell set us up perfectly by emphasizing the importance of cybersecurity for any company that has decided to depart Russia. Have you already noticed any pickup on cyber attack activity? It's such an interesting question because three or four weeks ago, I feel like everyone was asking me, are you worried? Are we ready to defend against these major cyber attacks that are obviously coming? And so my mindset has really shifted in those weeks. And that's because we haven't seen a really noticeable uptick in that activity. We haven't seen the major attacks that I think many of us expected to happen. And there's quite a few theories about why that might be. And of course, I'm not sure why it is, but talking through a few of those reasons, one reason could be we know Russia is a very sophisticated cyber adversary, and it's certainly possible that they are holding back on using some of their cyber strength for a later time in the conflict. That's a theory that worries me, and I have no doubts that they have incredible capabilities as they have had for many years. Um, Another interesting theory that I've heard people discuss is that if their intent really is to take over and occupy Ukraine, if they devastate the infrastructure, the banking infrastructure, the critical infrastructure, it will be on them to rebuild it. Hmm. So it actually doesn't behoove them to set themselves up to have an infrastructure online that isn't up and operating. Another theory I've heard is that perhaps they are undertaking a variety of sophisticated attacks that are surveillance operations, or perhaps they are getting their foothold into places that they need to be. But we haven't seen that big uptick, but that doesn't make me think that the coast is clear. It certainly makes me concerned that with an adversary like Russia that we know has really incredible capabilities, that they are doing things that we should be on very high alert for. And in fact, we just heard in this past week from the FBI and the Department of Homeland Security that there were some new tricks that have been out there. In fact, they tied some of these activities potentially to Russia including some very sophisticated activities to get around multi-factor authentication, to use a vulnerability in a print spooler capability to be able to get into email and cloud accounts. And this is very much in line with the long-term steady state activity that we've seen from Russia. So just because we haven't seen a huge uptick, just because we haven't seen major cyber attacks attributed to Russia related to the activity in Ukraine, doesn't mean at all that we should let our guard down. The U.S. government came out and said we should be in a shields up mentality. And I can tell you my shield is very much still up. That's excellent. I also wonder if there's what I would categorize as dormant activity, right, that we just haven't really picked up on yet, but there's something happening as well. 
Absolutely. You know, one of the things I think about is that naturally global banks tend to be targets during peacetime. And so we've seen in the headlines that U.S. banks should prepare for cyber attacks, especially after the latest round of Russian sanctions, which were fairly severe. How is this timing and what we're facing right now different? So global banks, as you noted, are really top targets, even in peacetime. And so this is the type of target that is probably always on very high alert. And now we have to be at even higher alert in case this hostile activity surges and impacts these banks. And so I don't, again, to my my point about we haven't seen this surge in activity, it doesn't mean that it isn't happening. And just as you said, it doesn't mean that they aren't conducting surveillance, gaining footholds into entities like global banks. The good news is that banks are incredibly well prepared. They are often at the tip of the spear when it comes to being ready to defend against and predict cyber attacks on their infrastructure. But of course, there's no silver bullet that makes everybody safe and protected. And so it's definitely the case that I'm confident that large U.S. banks are continuing to increase their preparation, increase their awareness of the potential cyber risks that are out there, because they certainly know that they could be a target. And looking at the, as you said, looking at the activity that has taken place related to SWIFT, are there going to be retaliatory measures taken I think that in many ways, cyber attacks are kind of the least costly thing that they can do. And I think that there is definitely a mindset that the financial system would be a great place to target as compared to, let's say, if they said we're going to target the healthcare system, that would be considered a different kind of escalation. So another thing that I know is certainly driving Russian behaviors as well as global behaviors is there are still not a lot of norms of cybersecurity behavior in wartime. And so what does one escalation lead to? Physical contact, there's a great deal of understanding about if you do X, you will be met with Y. And in the digital world, that's still not incredibly well understood. So thinking about an attack on the banks, because it wouldn't be an attack on, let's say, for example, water or power infrastructure that might have a loss of life, healthcare infrastructure that might have a loss of life, a financial attack, while certainly incredibly destabilizing and incredibly damaging, would not potentially be seen as as escalatory as attacks they might have on other critical infrastructures. So the financial sector certainly needs to be on very high alert. And keep doing what they're doing, because as I said, they're often very much at the tip of the spear. So they need to continue the behaviors that they're doing to remain at that top level of sensitivity. You raised an interesting point, just the whole idea of rules of engagement, that those haven't really been defined yet. But nonetheless, I mean, banks and companies are doing what they need to do to be prepared. So let's pull that thread a little bit. What can they do to protect themselves? What should already be in place? And what else do they need to do at this time? Very good and also very broad question. There's not a checklist that I can hand you to say, this is exactly what you need to do to be ready for a cyber attack. That's because every industry and every company of different size might have the right fit for them. And that level of investment and protection certainly varies across industries and size of your business. But I think that many organizations still are lagging behind some of the standards recognized both in the US and global frameworks for getting it right when it comes to cybersecurity. So my ask and question 
question to everyone would be, do you understand your risks? Do you understand the information that you hold or the business line that you have that is most valuable to you? What would be something that would be very destabilizing to your organization? Meaning if you lost this data set, there would be a great deal of damage. If you weren't able to perform this function, there would be a great deal of damage. And then ask questions to understand your resilience in that space. If something does go wrong, what's your ability to bounce back? How long would it take to get back up and running? I could certainly give you a number of tips of things that I hope everyone has in place, like multi-factor authentication. I hope everyone has great incident response plans in place that are both accurate for their business, but that have also been well rehearsed. It's really about understanding your organization and asking questions to understand, have you protected the things that are most important to you and the things that put you at greatest risk? I think a lot of it is that people are often not confident to ask questions about cybersecurity. They're afraid that if they ask questions, they'll be met with answers they don't understand. But I think in a lot of ways, it's a really simple discussion about risk is what puts us most at risk and how are we protected against those risks? And if we do fall victim to one of those threats, how can we recover? So every organization, every leader, every member of an organization should be thinking that. But at a more simple level, I do want to give you at least one takeaway that people can go back and be thinking about. You often hear in the world of cybersecurity that people are the weakest link. Unfortunately, I'm sorry to say it's very true that many times cyber incidents happen because one individual had a misstep. And it wasn't intentional and there wasn't necessarily a desire to cause the outcome that was caused. But that is why I say I would challenge everyone to remember the important role they play in their own personal cybersecurity as well as in their company's cybersecurity. And whether that means taking extra care when clicking on links, really being alerted to things that might seem a bit strange. If you're thinking something seems odd on my account, I've never seen this behavior. I've never seen this type of email get through to me. I would think this is the kind of thing that's normally blocked. Don't be afraid at all to reach out to the folks that help protect your information security systems. An old adage, but one that I think really means a lot in cybersecurity is if you see something, say something. And don't be afraid to admit potential fault. Many times we have people who know that they did click a link that they shouldn't have, who know that they've entered a password somewhere that perhaps they should not have entered it. And as a result, they're afraid that if they raise their hand and say, this might have gone wrong, that they'll be penalized in a professional environment. Our help desk here at FTI, they hear from me more than anyone, not because I necessarily am doing the wrong things, but any suspicious behavior, any activity of an account to do something that I think it shouldn't, I'm going to call them and ask and make sure. So it's certainly better to think about your own personal cybersecurity as being a really important link in the fence to defend against these major cyber events. And it's not really up to just your IT team. You play as an individual a really important role in the cybersecurity of your company. Jordan, all excellent points. I was taking notes as you were talking because you were definitely speaking my language. And what I hear is really focus on the fundamentals. Know your data, understand your risk, make sure you have your resilience plan at the ready, the importance of training and staying alert. Absolutely. Yeah, you've got it exactly right. I know that our company will be proud that you're doing all of these things for us. Excellent. Well, Jordan, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate your insight. No problem. Thank you very much for having me. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, please email financeandleadership at fticonsulting.com.